0: Hey, folks, Joyce Vance here. Another busy week of politically charged legal news making the headlines. A federal judge in D.C. imposed a limited gag order that prevents former President Donald Trump from publicly attacking witnesses and prosecutors in special counsel Jack Smith's election interference case. Meanwhile, additional criminal charges have been brought against Senator Bob Menendez and Representative George Santos. Preet Bharara and I discuss all that and more on the Cafe Insider podcast. Today, we're sharing an excerpt from the episode with listeners of Stay Tuned. To hear our full conversation and access all other Cafe Insider content, try the membership for just $1 for one month. You can do that at cafe.com slash insider. That's cafe.com slash insider. We look forward to having you as a part of the Insider community.
1: So we have we have a couple of superseding indictments and people will recall that both George Santos, Republican congressman from New York, and Bob Menendez, Democratic senator from New Jersey, have both been indicted on federal charges. And in the last week, since you and I last spoke on the show, each of them has had a superseding indictment issued against them, which leads to, I guess, an opening question that we got from a writer, former Stay Tuned guest, Kurt Anderson, who says question for Preet Bharara or Joyce or cafe.com, with Menendez and Santos both getting charged with extra crimes in the last 24 hours, I'm wondering, do prosecutors ever issue superseding indictments rather than all the charges in one indictment just to make defendants sweat? (laughs) (laughs) I'll answer for me first. No, we don't. We don't. We don't do it. I mean, we, they, when we were in office, didn't do it to make people sweat. Maybe should we explain a little bit, Joyce, what the Point of a superseding indictment is and in why it happens.
0: I think we should. My answer is also a no. I I think superseding indictments happen in one of two situations. One is through investigation or cooperating witnesses or whatever else you discover new and serious charges after you've indicted the case and you need to add them in. And that happens. We saw it happen in the Mar-a-Lago case too. Sometimes prosecutors just make a mistake. Maybe you learn after the fact that a date is wrong or a material detail is inaccurate or you decide that you brought the wrong charge. I have seen indictments superseded to correct errors as well, but far less frequently.
1: Yeah, and we can talk about Santos first. Sometimes there are developments in a case and you want to bring the most readily approvable charges at the time you're able to bring them and not delay because you don't know if you're going to get there on the other counts, or maybe a new witness comes across your office, or as may, may be the case in the George Santos matter, somebody decides to flip and plead guilty and you have a new witness that puts you over the top in terms of proof beyond a reasonable doubt. There are lots of reasons. There are also reasons not to supersede, because if you're getting closer to the, so this will be an example of, a, of an issue, a timing issue that may arise in one or more of Donald Trump's criminal cases, right? They're on the clock. The election is coming up. We've discussed all the ways in which Donald Trump, at least with respect to the federal cases, and I think also the state cases, can frustrate a prosecution if he gets reelected and becomes the president again. Let's say there's a bunch of new evidence and you can add three counts on the eve of a trial in one of those cases. You might not want to do that because you don't want to delay the trial. Because if the new cases involve a different nucleus of facts or or issues and, or, and other witnesses, a defendant, even if it's Donald Trump, can credibly argue that they need more time to prepare. And so superseding too late in the game can cause a delay and maybe you don't want the delay.
0: Yeah, I think that's right. And often you can introduce that evidence. um, it, It can fall into this area of other bad crimes or other bad acts or crimes that can be used to prove a lot of issues like motive, common scheme or plan, intent. And so sometimes it's better to hold off on charges and simply offer the evidence to prove other issues in the pre-existing indictment.
1: So George Santos was already charged in a number of counts by the U.S. Attorney's Office for the Southern District of New York, a grand jury that they had convened there. They've added a slew of new charges, including one count of conspiracy to commit offenses against the United States, two counts of wire fraud, two counts of making materially false statements to the Federal Election Commission, two counts of falsifying records submitted to obstruct the FEC, two counts of aggravated identity theft, and one count of access device fraud. Should we discuss some of these new crimes?
0: Yeah, I mean, I think we should. The the way that I think it's most readily understandable is that there are essentially two frauds that Santos is participating in. One involves Republican Party program fraud, and the other involves credit card fraud. And most of these, well, I think really all of these charges relate to one or both of those schemes.
1: The programming charge basically alleges that he lied about how much money he was raising so that he could qualify for some funding from his party. Fair?
0: Yeah. I mean, can we talk about who the victim is here? Because the victim is the (laughs) Republican Party, right?
1: Yeah. Well, that's an interesting factor when we talk about the move to expel him or not expel him from the House. So So look, as we've said, as a general matter, let's go back to first principles. Generally speaking, if you're George Santos or Bob Menendez or Donald Trump, you can lie. You can go to the podium. You can go to a rally. You can tell untruths basically protected by the First Amendment so long as you're not inciting anyone to violence. And that becomes a different question in the January 6th case. But you can lie. But there are other circumstances in which you can't. Most obviously, you can't lie in a a courtroom after you're placed under oath. That's perjury. You can't lie in a way that's material to an investigation when you're speaking to a law enforcement official. And you can't lie in other contexts as well, such as making statements to the Federal Election Commission. There he told Whopper after Whopper after Whopper, did he not?
0: I mean, the lies that he told are just incredible. You have to have raised a quarter of a million dollars to qualify in this area. And so what Santos essentially does is he obtains money for the campaign by making these sorts of just it's it's garden variety thuggery is the nicest way that you can put it. I mean, this is just a common fraud scheme. He steals identities, not just of anybody, but of his family members and the family members of the woman who's who's helping him with this scheme. And then he uses that to obtain money, to file false records, to show the Republican
1: Party that he's met the thresholds. And then the other fraud, as you mentioned, there were two, the credit card fraud scheme is really kind of vile. He had people who, for some reason that escapes me, believed in him and gave their credit card information to make contributions to him. And then he, on his own, charged those contributors' credit cards repeatedly without their authorization to the tune of sometimes tens of thousands of dollars. So he victimized his own donors.
0: I mean, he's even worse. Donald Trump, in this regard, because you'll recall there was that brouhaha where the Trump campaign, and I think it was just part of their online mechanism. The default was that if people donated once, they were authorizing repeated donations. And a lot of people were upset about that and said, You know, I didn't realize that's what I was signing off on. And the campaign ended up having to refund money and they changed how the platform functioned. You know, here's George Santos saying, Hold my beer. I'll just go ahead and steal their information and make clearly unauthorized, very large charges against people. Again, garden variety fraud.
1: We were discussing earlier why a superseding indictment, why not all of this done at the same time, either on the previous date or the current date. I think they were ready to go when they first charged George Santos. And then someone has pled guilty. One of his co-conspirators, Nancy Marks, pled guilty to a fraud conspiracy charge. She was someone who worked with George Santos I think there's a there's a good reason to believe that her decision to plead guilty and become a witness against George Santos is maybe the factor that made the difference here but I'm very confused about something what's that so according to reporting and what I understand about the case she's not an officially cooperating witness I mean ordinarily as we've talked about many times on the program you have multiple people involved in a conspiracy someone decides to plead guilty. They flip and they cooperate and there's a cooperation agreement and they understand that they're getting the benefit of a bargain where they agree to testify truthfully. That information, by the way, is vetted by the government in advance. You know what the testimony being offered would be. And then there's an understanding that the government will write a letter, a 5k letter in favor of leniency to the sentencing judge eventually. And so you get some assurance that you're going to get this better treatment at sentencing for the charge you're pleading guilty to here, according to the newspaper, This woman's lawyer said that while his client had not formally entered into a cooperation agreement with prosecutors, she would be willing to testify against him if asked. He goes on to say, quote, if we get a subpoena, we'll do the right thing, end quote. Do you understand what's going on there?
0: You know, I don't, but there's something else that bears out this notion that she's not on board as a cooperator, because she faces a number of charges, and it's characterized as being up to a five-year sentence. But she, like Santos in the superseding indictment, is charged with aggravated ID theft— and that's a crime that carries a two year mandatory minimum penalty. She will, by terms of this plea deal, go to prison for no less than two years. Statutorily, the judge doesn't have the authority to go beneath that. So it's an interesting question. Are they holding that over her head with some notion that if she does plead guilty and cooperate, that that charge will be dismissed? If this is, you know, the low level plea deal, then George Santos better be worried because he certainly couldn't plead out to something less than the deal that she's received. But I think their status is a little bit confusing. It makes me wonder if there aren't other witnesses out there, perhaps some of these family members, because remember, her family was also victimized in this scheme, and maybe one or both of them made confessions to family members, and, and that will be offered to prove up these schemes.
1: So it's, it's a little bit befuddling to me why Marks and her lawyer are proceeding in this way. But I guess maybe we'll learn more as the case proceeds. I will say one thing. <laughs> this is okay to say. We get this great prep every week from the cafe team. Jake does a great job. This is the first time I will have to say. I was reading the prep materials, and I threw up in my mouth a little bit. <laughs>
0: uh, <laughs> nice thing to say about Jake.
1: <laughs> no, I'm not saying about Jake, and it's not his fault. He's just reporting you know, the facts of a matter, but there's this portion in the reporting about what Nancy Marx's lawyers said about Santos and, and the excuse he gave for his client. He said Santos had, quote, mentally seduced, end quote, his client. Now you see why I had that reaction. The idea of George Santos mentally seducing anyone is not something I want to think about.
0: Thanks, Preet. That'll be now stuck in <laughs> all of our listeners' minds. Good job.
1: <laughs> I'm like really mentally seduced. <laughs> like, oh,
0: it is God. so weird, right? So, you know, the interesting thing about this is that it's only five days after Mark's this whole thing plays out with her that prosecutors charge Santos. That timeline is is really fast. Maybe they had the new charges against him lined up that quickly. Maybe they were always planning on doing this and and her timeline didn't influence it. But I have a lot of unanswered questions about what's going
1: on here. Oh, I was worried you were going to ask them. (laughs) (laughs) I was going to keep them unanswered. No,
0: I think we've already agreed we don't know.
1: Yeah, look, and so, I don't know, I guess we should talk about this matter of expulsion. It's good at these moments to go back and remember what the history is of things like this. So our research indicates in the history of the Congress.
0: Thanks for listening. To hear the full episode, head to cafe.com slash insider and try out the membership for just $1 for one month. That's cafe.com slash insider. To the many of you who've chosen to join the insider community, thank you for supporting our work.